Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Nahmuduhu ve nesalli ala Resulü el-Kerim. Amma abad. Alhamdulillah. Today is the 24th of December in the year 2023. And alhamdulillah, we moved on to the 20th session that we're going through the commentary of the Blessed Surah Al-Mu'minun. And I've reached verse 99. So inshallah today, going through up to and including verse 103. So verse 99. Until when death comes to one of them, you will say, O oh my Lord, send me back, I to life. So in a hadith, in Qurtubi, in Istadkhira, Tabri, in Istafseer 9-243, and Marif al-Quran, our beloved messenger himself, sallallahu alayhi wa said, If the believer sees the angels, alayhi salatu wasalam, at death, they will ask him, Shall we return you to the world? He, re- he will reply, No. Why would you return me to the home of sadness and grief? Let me go ahead to Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. On the contrary, if an unbeliever sees the angels, they say, Shall we return you to the world? Sorry. They ask the angels, Oh my Lord, send me back to life in order that I may work righteousness in the things I neglected by no means. I verse 99 and the verse 100. So here something very interesting is mentioned by our beloved messenger. He's saying at the time of death, the angels, they say to the believer, would you like to return to the world? And look how interesting that is. But they will say, why would you want to send us back to the land of sadness and worries? So think about the, the dead on the threshold of death. They describe the world like that. Because why are you sending me back? In other words, I've had enough. Because take me to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But if an unbeliever is dying, he will say, and Allah Ta'ala quotes them in these two verses, قَالَ الرَّبِّ Oh my Lord, send me back in order that I may do righteous deeds. But the angels say, قَلِمَةٌ By no means, between you and it is a barzakh until you are raised up. So this is a direct tafsir of these verses by the Prophet himself, sallallahu alayhi So what's interesting, Inshallah, we won't want to come back. Look how interesting. We don't want to come back, but the kofar want to come back. And the angels say, no, a barzakh is now placed between you and it. So here, I mentioned this for clarification. When exactly is this? So, in a nutshell, in Sayyid Muslim, number 2685, Shureh ibn Hani, rahmatullahi, he went to Sayyida Aisha radiyallahu and he said, O mother of the believers Abu Huraira radiyallahu relays a hadith from Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa if it's true, we are all lost. She replied, a loser is only he who has been declared so by Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa What is he related? 
Shurih related the hadith. He goes, Abu Huraira said, he heard Rasulullah say, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, whoever loves meeting Allah, Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala, then Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala loves meeting him. And whoever hates meeting Allah, Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala, then Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala hates meeting him. Shurih added, and none amongst us but hates death. So Shurih, what, how did he understand that hadith? He thought, we're doomed. Because if you hate to meet Allah Ta'ala, He hates to meet you. But I'm scared of death. That means I hate to meet Allah. That means He hates, because we're doomed. So she said, Rasulullah definitely said this, but it is not what you think. Rather, when the gaze becomes fixed, the chest rattles and the soul leaves and the skin tightens and the fingers tremble. At that point, whoever loves meeting Allah, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves meeting him. And whoever hates meeting Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala hates meeting him. So what was our mother saying? She goes, you've misunderstood the hadith today. It's not talking about death. The point is we are fearful of death. But at the point when you are dying and you see that Allah ta'ala is pleased with you, then you want to meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and Allah ta'ala loves to meet you. But before that curtain is lifted, it's natural to fear death. And then he goes, but at that point, that is what the Prophet was referring to, sallallahu alayhi wa And clarifying further, in Bazaar, and Shaykh al-Bani rahmatullah stated, Sahih, in As-Sahiha, number 2628, Abu Huraira, radiyallahu alayhi wa beloved messenger said, sallallahu alayhi wa when death descends upon a believer and he witnesses things, i.e. the divine pleasure, he then wishes his soul depart quickly and Allah Ta'ala loves to meet him. Similarly, when death descends upon an enemy of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala and he witnesses things, I divine displeasure, he then wishes that his soul never departs and Allah Ta'ala hates to meet him. So now this is very interesting. The Quran says they want to come back. Sahih Hadith, the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, when a enemy of Allah witnesses he goes he doesn't want to die there's no contradiction he doesn't want to die means he wants to stay <laughs> meaning he now knows he's in deep trouble so again the prophet is just highlighting this point so Lord here this is a proof that every hadith has a base in the Quran so that famous hadith where's the base here in Surah 23 verse 99 and uh, verse 100 and Lord Allah Ta'ala is telling you that the unbelievers want to come back. But now there's other passages which are very interesting. In Surah 63 verse 10, in Surah Munafiqun verse 10, Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala, He says, and this is the translation, Give something in charity out of what we have given you before death should come to any of you. And He says, O my Lord, why did you not give me a little bit extra time? I would then have given in sadaqah and I should have been of those who do righteous deeds. So what's interesting? Allah Ta'ala says explicitly in the Quran that when death comes, the people will say who are in trouble, Rabbi lawla akhartani ila ajalin kareem fa asaddaqa wa akum min as-salihin Oh my Lord, give me more time. I will give sadaqah. 
So what's interesting, this is a very powerful verse indicating how great the deed of Sadaqah is. Mm-hmm. Of all of the millions of deeds, what deed does that person want to do? Mm-hmm. Give me a second chance. He mentions Sadaqah. <laughs> so the scholars say the Sadaqah is a very special deed to Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that's why the Prophet sallallahu he said in Sayyid Muslim, Sadaqah is burhan. Sadaqah is a proof of your iman. The more you give. And why? Why is Sadaqah mentioned? Because every time you give Sadaqah, you're sending it to the next world. So if you give a little bit, what does that mean? That means that you're sending a little to the next world. But if you send a lot, then obviously, you know, you're looking forward to the meeting with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So that's why it's called the proof. A proof of your iman. Why? Because you haven't lost it. Shaitan puts that into your mind in Surah Baqarah. Because Shaitan threatens you with poverty. As soon as you start wanting to give sadaqah, you go, oh, no, no, you deserve this more than anybody. What's going on? It's cost of living crisis, right? And then Shaitan, he's playing those games. But you are actually being very uh, generous to yourself. And also, the Kufar, they explicitly say, in verse 107 of Surah Mu'minun, رَبَّنَا أَخْرِجْنَا مِنْهَا فَإِنْعُدْنَا فَإِنَّا ظَالِمُونَ Oh, our Lord, bring us out of this. If ever we return to evil, we are indeed oppressors. So they will even ask to come back. He goes, Ya Allah, please let us take us out of hell. He goes, we will never oppress. But Allah Ta'ala responds, Go further into it. Do not dare speak to me. So what's happening? Allah Ta'ala is highlighting again and again. Soon as you die, it's game over. Right? And what's interesting, you can actually call it a game. Allah Ta'ala calls life a game. He goes, the life of this world is nothing but a game. And what's interesting, when you finish uh, any, okay, what is it? Game over. <laughs> game over, you know, subhanAllah. Verse 100. Let us go back in order that I may work righteousness in the things I neglected. By no means. It is but a word, he says. Before them is a barzakh till the day they are raised up. In Qurtubi, in his tadkhira, Hanad rahmatullahi reports from Mujahid. He was asked about the meaning of this verse. Somebody asked Mujahid, what does this verse mean? He answered, it is the period between death and the resurrection. So, we all know what barzakh is. At this very moment I'm speaking, there's two um, realms of existence in terms of what's happening. This world and the barzakh. <laughs> Where is that mentioned in the Quran? The barzakh. Here. As soon as you die, you enter that barzakh, which is now existing now. But the Quran says, it's a, now a barrier from you coming back. The barzakh is a barrier, hidden barrier, from you returning back. So Mujahid said, here's the verse. Meaning as soon as you die, that's it. The barzakh is now placed between you and the dead. Verse 101. When the horn is blown, there will be no more relationships between them that day, nor will one ask after another. So here, there's a very interesting narration, the relevant part. So this hadith is in Sayyid Bukhari, Ibn Kathir's Tafsir, volume 8, page 518. And a man, Sayyid Ibn Jabal, rahmatullahi, said, a man came to Ibn Abbas, and he said, I find things in the Quran which confuse me. And he recited this verse, verse 101. 
He goes, Allah the Almighty says, there will be no kinship amongst them that day, nor will they ask each other. But then he says, but in another verse, Surah 37 verse 27, Allah the Almighty and Glorious says, they will turn to one another and question each other. Because it's confusing me. <laughs> so let's look at this. Stop in the report. So look at these two verses. So in verse 101, Allah Ta'ala is saying, there is no ties amongst them that day and they will not ask each other. In the other verse, Surah 37 verse 27, Allah Ta'ala says, they will turn to one another and they will ask each other. So the man goes, he's confusing me. So Abdullah ibn Abbas, the relevant part, he said, there's no contradiction. He goes, in verse 101 of Surah Mu'minun, this will happen when the horn is blown the first time. So how many times is the horn blown? First time is when Kiamat strikes. The second time is when resurrection takes place. He goes, verse 101 is talking about the first blowing of the horn. Meaning, think about it, Kiamat striking. Are you going to be asking about your son, your daughter, your... You're completely lost. Because that's talking about the first blowing of the horn. But then he said, Ibn Abbas, he goes, Surah 39, verse 68, Allah Ta'ala says, And all who are in the heavens and all who are on the earth will pass, except whom Allah Ta'ala wills. At that time, there will be no kinship amongst them, nor will they ask one another. Then he said, when the horn is blown a second time, then he goes, that's the verse you're talking about. Surah 37, verse 27. They will turn to one another and ask each other. So simply put, what was the clarification? The man was confused because without commentary, the Quran confuses you. Ibn Abbas explained very beautifully, he goes, the first blowing, nobody asks each other. Because Qiyamah striking. The second blowing, then after a period of time, you will start asking. So Allah is not talking about the same time. So note, and it's a long report, but that was the relevant point. So here when Allah says, when the horn is blown, there will be no more relationships between them that day, nor will they ask one another. It's talking about the first blowing of the horn. Right? Otherwise the other verse... Uh, well, obviously apparently contradicts and also there's an exception right, which is mentioned so Hafiz Ibn Kathir he wrote many works one of his works is Al-Fusul chapters from the life of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa page 372 of the English translation he, he, he quotes this verse verse 101 he then explains he goes in Imam Ahmad's Musnad 4-323 Tabarani in his Kabir 20-30 Behaqi 7-64 Hakim 3-158 Al-Miswad ibn Al-Makhramah radiyallahu He relates that our beloved messenger said Fatima is a part of me Whatever angers her angers me Whatever pleases her pleases me And ties of kinship will be cut on the day of resurrection except for my ties of kingship, lineage, and my ties to my in-laws. So Ibn Kathir is saying that there is an exception on the Day of Judgment. All ties will be broken, except Rasulullah's ties. Because he said, my lineage, my ties, and even my in-laws will recognize and 
help each other. Then he said, Imam Behaki mentions this and it's an authentic report. And this is why Umar radiallahu married Ali's daughter, Rasulullah's granddaughter, because I want to strengthen my ties with Rasulullah or Ali. Yeah. So there's an exception here, I, which Ibn Qatib mentioned, Rahmatullah Ali. And also, there's a report in Ibn Abi Hatim and Ibn Jarir Ibn Qatib's tafsir. Abdullah Ibn Mas'ud radiallahu, he said, on the day of resurrection, Allah the Almighty will gather the first and the last, and then a voice will cry out, whoever is owed anything by another, let him now come forth and take it. Then a man will rejoice, even if he is owed something or has been mistreated by his father, his child or wife, even if it is a little. This is confirmed. And then he recited verse 101. There will be no more relationships between them that day. Astaghfirullah. So look what Ibn Mansur saying, Allah. He's saying that if anybody has done anything wrong to you, you're not bothered. Even if it's your father, you're going to be so happy. Think about that. You're going to be so happy that your son's done you over. That's what Ibn Masood saying. He goes, and the proof of that is the Quran. Because no more relationships. Done. Now think about how serious that day is. Would you do that on the earth? You'd give your life for your father, your mother, your son, your daughter. On the day of judgment, go to hell. As if he, there's no relationship. In fact, if I can take you out, I'm happy to save myself. That's why Ibn Kathir said, there's no ties. Except... Rasulullah's type, they won't. Look at the status of Rasulullah, their family won't. So that's why every man for themselves. You know, we hear it all the time. Nafsi, nafsi. No, we don't even reflect upon that statement. Sayyid Hadi, the Prophet said, Nafsi, nafsi. So a person then goes, everybody will. Why? Because if you're not bothered about your mother and father, forget about People even say this like a joke. Oh, brother, you're all right, you. I won't take anything from you. What do you mean you won't take? You're going to destroy your father? Who's he? He goes, no brother, I'm going to forgive everybody on their judgment. No, you're not. Right? You're going to take everybody out. Not even looking at anybody. And look what the report says. You're going to be happy. Imagine. So, okay, you've done your dad over. So you probably thought, oh, put head down. You're celebrating. I mean, it doesn't even exist. And the Quran is saying, no relationships on that day. Verse 102. Then those whose scales are heavy, they are successful. But those whose scales are light will be those who have lost their own souls. So now, there's a report here. So, in Ibn Abi Dunya Al-Bidayah, Abdullah Ibn Mas'ud, again, he said, people will be judged on the day of resurrection. He whose good is greater than his evil, he will enter paradise. And he whose evil is greater than his good enters hell. Then he recited these two verses, 102 and 3. He then added, The scales become light by so much as the weight of a mustard seed or become heavier. Subhanallah. So what did the great Ibn Masood say about these two verses? He goes, good deeds heavier, you're successful. Sin's heavier, you're unsuccessful. But then he said something very interesting. 
Their scales are so sensitive, they can wear mustard seed. <laughs> and I don't know whether you wear mustard seeds. <laughs> uh, you know, you have to look at the mustard seed, they go, oh my God, you put that on any counter in this world. Nothing. <laughs> you know, what does it weigh? That scale is huge. Ibn Masood said, don't be fooled. He goes, if a mustard seed is weighed, it will wait. So technically, what he was saying was, if you have equal sins and good deeds, but your good deeds are greater by a mustard seed, you're successful. <laughs> now, what does that tell you about good deeds? People say, oh, it's only a small good deed. You fool, that might be the deed that takes me to paradise. That might tilt the scale in my favor. And there's a report in Surah 21, verse 47. In Surah 21, verse 47, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions in Surah Anbiya. And this report basically sums the entire matter. So the hadith is recorded in Tirmidhi. Imam Ahmad in his Musnad and Shaykh al-Bani al-Rahmatullah in Sahih in Sahih al number 2290. Ayat al-Sahaba. So our beloved mother, Aisha radiyallahu anha, she relates. A man once asked, Ya Rasulullah, I have two servants. They lie to me and they disobey me. Thus I beat and I curse them. What is the position? So what was the question? He's got two servants and they're really bad servants. They're lying and they're, they're basically not listening. So he goes, so I speak ill to them and I, you know, I slap. Rasulullah thereupon said, Allah the Almighty, he will measure how much they betrayed you and disobeyed you and lied to you. And also compared to the punishment you gave to them. If the punishment you gave to them is lower than their crimes, this will be to your advantage. But if the punishment you gave them is equal to their crimes, then there is nothing for you or against you. But if the punishment if you gave them is greater than their crimes, then any advantage you had from them before will be given and reduced to them. So what did the Prophet say? Allah Ta'ala is going to judge. So you struck your servant, you abused your servant. Allah Ta'ala is going to say, right, this is what they did to you. You retaliated and he's going to wait. If their crime is greater, you won. If it's equal, no win, no loss. If your crime is greater, they've won. The man thereupon started to weep in front of Rasulullah. Rasulullah then said to the people, Does he not read the Quran? And then he recited Surah 21, verse 47, the translation. We shall set up scales of justice on the day of judgment, so that not a soul will be dealt with unjustly in the least, even if it is the weight of a mustard seed. We will bring it to account, and enough are we to take account. Then the Prophet when he recited this verse, the man stopped weeping. He goes, Ya Rasulullah, I find nothing better than freeing them. Be a witness that I have freed them for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So look what the man did, the man was full of taqwa. He goes, Oh my God, right? He goes, I thought I'm the master, I'm not going to be questioned about my servants. And when he, he started weeping, but then he thought, only one way out of this. He goes, you've gone. Just free him. Because I'll bear witness, so you bear witness to it. Now what's interesting about that? 
what does the Quran say? Even the Muslims see it. Go back to the Hadith, what Ibn Masood say? He's explaining the Quran to you. It was the mustard seed, the scale can weigh it. So Allah's judgment isn't like crown core, right? Or you think, well, I've been done over there, right? You're going to be, in the justice is laser precise. Allah goes down to the atoms. So when he judges, nobody's going to say, that's injustice. Allah's justice is absolutely perfect. Ahsanul hakimin. Alayhi is Allah not the best of judges, the Quran says. And the Prophet said, Bala wa ana ala shahideen, Ya Rab. Certainly, and I bear witness to the fact that he is the perfect judge. That's why oppression on the earth is like a joke. People go, oh, where's God? Don't worry about it. You'll find out the judgment. <laughs> Look at all the zulum taking place. And what's funny is they think they've got away with it. Look at the Sahaba, did he think he got away with it? He thought, oh my God. He goes, gonna get out of this. And he goes, I freed them. Look at Abu Huraira, look at that beautiful hadith, which I mentioned a few nights back. Abu Huraira, he had a slave, and this slave was causing all sorts of damage in the house. So he says, if it wasn't for the fear of Allah, I would have struck you. And he goes, but I'm gonna do something worse. So she's thinking, oh my God. He, you know, he's gonna probably, you know, I guess I'm gonna give you to somebody. He goes, who's gonna deal with you? So she's thinking, oh my God, he's going to give me tools like maybe an Abu Jal type person. He freed her. And uh, Abu Nu'im al-Hidya, he freed her. So look at the beauty of Abu Huraira. He got very angry with her. He said, if it wasn't for the fear of Allah, I would have struck you. But I'm going to give you to somebody because somebody now is going to deal with you. But he was talking about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He goes, look, I free you. In other words, he'll deal with you. And I don't want to give you to somebody, poor, you know, pass the burden on to somebody else. Look at the nobility of the Sahab. We get angry with somebody. Do we think of good deeds? Or do we think of damage and limitation? What can I get away with? Astaghfirullah. <laughs> so here note, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, those whose scales are heavy, success. Those whose scales are light, they have lost their own souls. In hell will they abide. And also very important, just to add this to finish. The scales weigh but the weighing isn't numbers. So, you you know, sadly, we, we might give that impression. You say, if you've got a million sins and a million and one good deeds, you're successful. That's not necessarily true. You could have a million sins and you can have one good deed and you're successful. So a person goes, I don't get that. What do you mean? Because it's the weight. And what's the proof that Allah Ta'ala can increase the weight of even one or two deeds? The Prophet said in Behaki, in the Shu'ab al-Iman and Mishkat, that whoever is happy with a little of this world, Allah Ta'ala will be happy with a few of his good deeds. So what did the Prophet say? That if you are happy, not, not that you're upset, oh, I haven't got enough, I wish I was like that person, right? then you're not. But a person goes, Alhamdulillah, I've got food for the day, bills are being paid, Ya Allah, all praise be to you. Allah loves that so much, that even if you've got a few good deeds, the Prophet said, Allah will boost them. <laughs> so what's that telling you? People are very shallow and they're thinking, I'll do a lot of good deeds, I'll do a lot of good deeds, and then you think, brother, somebody can do one deed and it can destroy you. He's not going to do one deed, I've done millions, because your deeds are light. All deeds will be given their due weight. What increases the weight of your deeds? Sincerity. Mm-hmm. 
And the Prophet said, 10th and 9th and 8th and 7th and so on. What's happening? It's the same deed. It's being reduced because of pollution. So, and also the famous hadith where one deed takes a person to paradise. That means it was an utterly sincere deed. Allah boosts it to a, such a degree, it takes them to paradise. The scales still are active. How does one deed take them? It's so heavy. Allah takes them to paradise through that. So this is also very important when you talk about the scales. Try to work on the purity of the deed. And that's why Allah the Almighty and Glorious says, الَّذِي خَلَقَ الْمَوْتَ وَالْحَيَاةَ لِيَبْلُوَكُمْ أَيُّكُمْ أَحْسَنُ amana. He created death and life to test you, to find out which of you does the most beautiful deed. أَحْسَنُ amala. Allah is hinting. I've created you to see who does the, what's this beautiful deed. He's not talking about أَكْثَلُ amala. Abundant deeds, he's talking about the most, what's he talking about, subhanahu wa ta'ala? He's talking about the purity, the knowledge. And that's why Rasulullah has got the heaviest scale. Why? He took nothing from this world. And he was happy. That baffles even non-Muslims, because they think he's an imposter. So one of the, even the non-Muslims, orientalists, they goes, one thing baffles us. He goes, what was he after? He left the world and he was sleeping on the floor. It baffles them. They goes, what was he after? And they come out with ridiculous statements. They go, he was sincere, but he was deluded. Right? And then he goes, well, come on. Right? He's an imposter. He's not an imposter. And that shows that, he, he wasn't, and that's why somebody asked Ali, in Abu Na'im al-Hilya, he goes, why didn't Rasulullah take anything from the world? And Ali, radiyallahu said, Allah Ta'ala doesn't love the world. So how could he take from something that Allah Ta'ala doesn't love? He's Rasulullah. So what was Ali really saying? Use your ashik. You keep banging on your ashik. You're taking from dunya. How can you love something that your beloved doesn't love? And there's a hadith to finish in Behaki, where Allah Ta'ala, when he judges, everybody is now settled in their places. He turns to the world. And the world says, Ya Allah, don't destroy me. Do not destroy me. Give me to the lowest servant of paradise. I will serve the lowest servant in paradise. Allah the Almighty and Glorious goes, I didn't give them to, I didn't give you to them in the world. Do you think I'm going to give you to them now? He goes, be away, destroyed. So look at the pathetic nation of the world. It starts begging, Ya Allah, don't destroy me. Give me to the lowest person in paradise. Allah goes, I didn't even give it to you in the world. So that's a sign that you're on go from goodness. But the more you take, the more Allah will demand from you. So look at the state we're in. We're taking so much from dunya, and what's happening to our deeds? Getting diluted more and more. And what did Umar radiallahu say? You go on and on. Umar radiallahu said, if it wasn't for this, I would have taken from the world. Umar knew. He goes, if it wasn't, because somebody asked him, he goes, Amiru Mu'mineen, you're eating such bland food. So Umar goes, oh, and he starts talking about a dish. He goes, to skin a goat and to put this spices on it and to and the man goes you know about dishes and then Umar goes yes I would have taken from that but I don't want to lose rewards what was he talking about he's talking about the weight of the deeds I want as nothing minimal from the world with happiness and me Allah with the greatest of deeds unfortunately this is something alien to most of us so on the side of us we will conclude أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم حتى إذا جاء أحدهم الموت قال رب الرجعون 
ഫലോസോലിഹിമാറ്റലക്തോലോഹിംബർസുഹുലോസോലിഫലോസോലിഫലോസോലിഫലോസോലിഫലോസോലിഫലോസോലിഫലോസോലിഫലോസോലിഫ